John chapter 10 this evening, and verse number 10. <clears throat> I'm going to be all over the scripture. I really couldn't land on where to start, so this is the one I landed on. Um, and this, this message tonight, um, you know, excites me. Um, everything about me and everything about you, really, we're built to go forward. That's how God made us. If you notice, the eye, your eyes are on the front of your head. Your ears are pointed towards the front. Your mouth is towards the front. It's easier to walk forward than backwards. And so everything about us is built by God's design to move forward. And there's things behind us, but we're to move forward. When you drove here to church today, if you noticed your car, the windshield was bigger than the rear view mirror. We're intended to go forward. And so in John chapter 10 is where we're going to start, verse number 10. The thief cometh not to steal, not, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This evening I want to speak on, have you dreamed lately? Think about that question, and I'm going to explain what I mean by dreamed here in just a second, but have you dreamed lately? Because you have to be careful. Let me get a few things out of the way first about dreams, okay? Because there's some things we need to look at before I really get into the message. One is, we know of the dreams in the Bible, right? When we think of, if, when we think of a scripture that talks about dreams, most of us probably go straight to Joseph. And and in the Old Testament, Joseph in the Old Testament. And in Genesis, there in chapter 41, he was called upon to interpret a dream, a dream that Pharaoh had. And you all know the story the, uh, of how it went, and, and Joseph interpreted it. And there were seven healthy beasts, cows I call them, and seven unhealthy. And they came, and the unhealthy ate up the healthy. Then he had another dream. He had seven ears of corn that were good and plentiful, and then seven that weren't, and they ate them up, and they were gone. And Joseph had to interpret that. Um, and uh, he told him that God's told him there's going to be seven years of greatness and seven years of famine. And then he laid out his plan to handle that. So that, that's probably the most popular, if you want to say, dream in the Bible. But then also, if you think about it, though, back... Before that, back a few chapters back before that, Joseph had dreamed that his family would bow down to him. Now think about that. You that have multiple brothers, sisters, siblings, going to them and saying, well, God gave me a dream. You're all going to bow down to me. I mean, that was pretty bold to say that, I think. <clears throat> but then you go to the New Testament. There's another Joseph, the earthly father of, uh, the, of, of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, I talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Um, he had a dream and was told why Mary was with child. Um, and then in chapter 2, he had another dream to flee to Egypt to save Jesus from Herod. So in the Bible, dreams are sources of divine revelation that indicate what someone should do reveal what's going to happen, or explain 
current events. And, so, and it's also, it, you read, and, and it could be a vision. Now, let me warn you about this. Be careful when someone comes to you and says they've had a dream and God's revealed some new, something new to them. Because you have to be careful there because God's revealed now everything we need right here. Um, and so that's kind of, a, of, a, of, of that type of revelation and that type of dreaming is really gone. I mean, you know, if someone comes to you and says, I had a dream and I, I found out when Jesus was coming back. Well, let's line that up with the scriptures and see if they're right. And they would be wrong because no man knoweth the day or the hour that, that, that he comes back. So, so be careful. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it warns us about putting faith and hope in those types of things. So be careful um, of those types of people. That's not the dreams I'm talking about tonight. There's other type of dreams that I'm not talking about tonight, but an example would be the dreams you have at night. You know, you, you have that dream, and now, who in here, I want, everybody's got to participate. Raise your hand, because I've had it. If you've had that dream that you haven't been to the class the whole semester, and you think you're going to just show up for the exam because you forgot to drop the class, and it's going on, and you just never have been to the class, and now you're going to have to go to it. Who's had that dream? I've had that dream. I can't but Thank you, Asher. <laughs> First year of school, and he's already having that nightmare. That's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. You know your teacher saw you raise your hand. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, there's that one. Or have you ever woke up just mad, and you don't know why? Or, or sad, you've had a dream, you don't really know what the dream was, but you just were mad or you were sad about something. Or how about this? It wasn't probably a month or two ago, Tara woke me up and says, you're laughing in your sleep. <laughs> I was probably having a good dream until she woke me up. <clears throat> but we're not talking about that. Or how about this? Now our kids, y'all have no clue what I'm talking about, but your parents will. When we were kids... We used to get this thing called the Sears Roebuck Catalog. And I'd open that up. That thing was like that thick. And I would dream of the toys that my parents were going to get me or somebody was going to get me. I just dreamed. And I'd circle them. And I was just, you know, and I don't know if y'all probably got this. Amazon's trying that now. They sent that little, you know, little pamphlet out or whatever. But the kids, that's just, you just don't know how it feels to open, one of them, open that, that Sears catalog and dream about Christmas morning. I mean, I was already dreaming the Christmas morning. You know, I, I, I wanted the Lincoln Logs. That's one of the first things I remembered that I can remember that I wanted was Lincoln Logs. Um, but we're not talking about that tonight. So what I'm going to talk about tonight, when I use the word dreams tonight, really it could be, uh, also said your aspirations. So your dreams and your aspiration for your future. So a dream is something you want to do or you want to achieve, but you don't quite know how to get there and the steps aren't very clear. But forming that dream is always a good place to start. I tell my kids at home all the time to dream big. Matter of fact, today, Haven came up to me at home. She'd went off to do some coloring. 
And she, drew, she colored me this little thing and told me that I could hold it up here tonight, and it says, Dream Big. And she made her one that she's holding. And I appreciate that, Haven. That helps me. It's like an amen right here in front of me. <clears throat> and Isaac, you can say amen too if you need to. You have my permission. But a dream is something that you want to do or you want to achieve, but how to get there is not always clear. But forming that dream is a good place to start. In John chapter 10, we read here, the second part of the verse, I've come to give them life, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, God has big plans for each one of us individually. And God has plans for your family. And God has plans for this ministry. And God has plans, you know... Uh, just all kinds of plans. And he came to give us life. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came and died for my sins. I was teaching in Sunday school this morning. um, What are you going to do with Jesus? Because the world has their opinions of who Jesus is. We read Bible verses in Sunday school of who people's opinions of who Jesus was. Um... Different religions have beliefs of who Jesus is. But really what everyone thinks doesn't matter. It's what you do with Jesus. And he came to give us life. And I'm so thankful. I I can't stop thanking him enough for coming to give me life. But he he came to give us life. That we would have life and that we might have it more abundantly. God has, big, God has big plans for you. You need to dream. You need to have dreams of your life, of your future, your kids, your family, this ministry. Um, Ephesians 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God is all about you. He sent His Son to die for you. Everything that, that, that God is and does, He does for us. He's all about us. He wants the best for us. God doesn't want, doesn't want us to not have the best. He, he, he cares about us. He sent Jesus for us. And He can do greater things than you even think He can do. So why not dream big? Dream big because you have a big God. Why not dream big for your life? Why not dream big for your kid's life? Why not dream big for your family? Why not, why not dream big for this church? Because we serve a big God. They can do things greater than we even think He can. Sometimes we, we try to handcuff God. Well, we know you can do this, so this is safe. But God can do bigger, and He can do greater. So we're going to look at... Some things here this evening to help us with how to dream and dream big and how to have the aspirations that we should have. Number one, why settle for a life that is less than the one you're capable of living? Let me say that again. Why settle for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living? Turn to Matthew 
chapter number 6 with me. Matthew chapter number 6, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking one thought, can add one cubic unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God doesn't just want us to settle in life. God's promised in His Word, He's going to take care of those things. He's going to take care of the little things. He's going to take care of the food. He's going to take care of the clothing. He's going to take care of those things. God wants us to seek Him first. Our first dream should be what big things we can do for God. And then God will take care of all the other things. So that's number one. Number two, be thankful in everything, whether it's big or small. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. Junior church kids, what's everything mean? Shout it out. Everything. That's everything. That's this microphone. That's this little card that Haven gave me. That's these gifts we gave out a little while ago. That's my church family. That's my pastor. That's my mom. That's my kids. That's my everything, big or small. Give thanks in everything. I'll give you some examples. And I, like I said when I started, I'm just, I can't get over how God saved me. I can't quit thanking Him for it. I mean, you ever have someone just thanking, it's okay, you don't have to keep thanking me. I know. But that's how I am with God. I just can't quit thanking Him for what He's done for me. For Him, for His Son, for His Holy Spirit. I can't quit thanking Him for it. Or how about for your family? When's the last time you told someone in your family that you were thankful for them? And not assumed that they knew? Give thanks in everything. That's what the Bible says. In everything, give thanks. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my mother. I'm thankful for my two children. I'm thankful for my wife. Hey, I'm even thankful for my mother-in-law. 
I'll tell you, the other day we were driving home and Ter- or Havens was uh, learning some things and we were talking about, you know, your family members. And Haven said, well, Dad, who are your in-laws? I said, in-laws are the parents of the person you marry. And she said, oh, okay. Well, then who are the outlaws? I said, that's your mom's mom. (laughs) Now, before y'all message her and tell her to pull this up on Facebook and watch this, she already knows because I called her. Because I had to, because those two little ones, well, Isaac's bigger now, sitting there was going to beat me to the punch if I didn't. So I just, well, I might as well just spill the beans. But be thankful. How about your friends? How about this church? How about our pastor? When's the last time you told him you were thankful? Not the last time you told him what we needed to be doing different. When's the last time you told him that you were thankful for him? And not just, those are big things, but the little things. Hey, I'm thankful I got shoes on my feet right now. I'm thankful I got this jacket on because this cold air is blowing right now. But I got this coat on. I'm, I'm thankful my wife got it untucked because she was up here and it was all messed up and I thought the pastor had grabbed me for a second. I, that's why I flinched earlier when I flinched. I, I didn't know what was going on. But, uh, but we got to be thankful. How can you have dreams for a more abundant life until you're thankful for what you already have. The challenge is, make being thankful a daily practice in your life. Determine tonight to go home and say something you're thankful for. One of the things we do when we have family prayer time is we pray for others, we pray for something for ourselves, but we always make sure we take time to say what we're thankful for. All right, so number one was why settle for a life that's less than the one you're capable of living? Number two, be thankful in everything, big or small. Number three, dreams without goals are just dreams. And they'll ultimately fuel disappointment. Listen to that again. Dreams without goals are just dreams. And they'll ultimately fuel disappointment disappointments. What are goals? Goals are several steps, small steps, big steps, but they're several steps that move you forward to that ultimate dream you have. Whatever that dream is that you have in your life. Um, Look with me in uh, Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's what I was talking about earlier. We are supposed to press forward. We are designed to go forward. We're supposed to forget the things that are behind and that's hard to do. There's some hard things that are behind my past. There's some hurtful things that are back there. But God tells us that we have to press on. We've all had failures, y'all. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all embarrassed ourselves. We've all said something we shouldn't have. But we need to forget the things that are behind us. And we need to press on. 
And we need to make it a goal of ours to get up and press on and move forward and to never give up. And when things get hard, press on. And when things get harder than that, press on. We're getting ready to tell these kids this week, when they're running and conditioning near the end of practice, they're going to start getting a little winded, and the coaches are going to say, let's keep going. Press on. It's going to be worth it. Press on. It's going to be worth it when you win that game because you didn't get tired in the fourth quarter and have to give up. It'll be worth it, so press on. And that's a game. This is life. Press on. When things get hard, press on. Always move forward. Never give up. Without commitment, you'll never start. These, I'll, I'll reference the basketball again. If you're not committed to play and you don't show up, you guess what? You're never going to get started on the team. Without commitment, you'll never start. But more importantly... Without consistency, you'll never finish. See, consistency, consistency, that's a hard one to say, is every day, over and over. That's pressing on. Wonder why the, you ever wonder why the Bible says press? Because sometimes that's hard, you got to press. Sometimes you wake up and you don't feel, last Sunday I woke up, my back was hurting. I had a Sunday school class to teach. I had to just get up and press on. And it hurt. It really did. To the point that I had to get Mr. Burnham to do junior church. But we've got to move on. We've we've got to stay consistent with it. Not just one day a week. Not just two days a week. Every single day. I'll give you an example. One of my dreams, one of my, my goals, aspirations years ago was to see Isaac graduate from high school. That's a good dream. That's a good, that's something you, you, I mean, you'd want your kids to do that, right? And here we are, his senior year. We didn't just wake up and it was his senior year. We had to press on. Tara had to press on because she does the heavy lifting when it comes to homework assignments. And she had to press on in those early years. Now Haven's at that age where you're getting homework. But those early years, she had to press on. Four or five hours sometimes. I mean, just to the point where I had to walk in the room and say, Son, I don't know what's going on, but whatever your mom is saying, that's what you're doing. That wasn't easy, but we had to press on. She was probably, she could have been wrong, but it didn't matter. You need to listen to your mom and do what she's saying. And we had to press on. And that was a, that's, a, that's been a dream of mine and Tara's is to see him get up here and walk across this stage. From the day he was born and we held him, we, that, that's one of the things we looked, that's, that, was a, that was a mark we had put in the future, was his graduation. But we're not there yet. The ceremony's not tonight. So we got to press on. But it took goals. Some of them were small goals. Some of them was, son, you got to tuck your shirt in and look nice and go to, church, go to school. Son, today's chapel, you got to put a tie on and go to school. Tara pointed something out to me uh, right before the service. Um, there's a little boy in here that reminds us of Isaac a whole lot, and that's Liam. And Liam, 
I don't know if you know this or not, but Isaac Branson used to wear the boots you're wearing right now, except they were a little different because his were just woody, and I noticed yours has woody and, and uh, sporky on there. Forky, what is it? Forky. I don't know his name. I give up on those Disney a long time ago. But anyway, that's not even tonight's message, so let's don't even go there. Um, one pant leg tucked in the boot, one pant leg tucked out, one shirt half side halfway out, the other one in, the vest on, tie sticking out of the vest, and we're always just tuck, tuck, duh. and it was, we had to press on sometimes. Miss Warden, I'll never forget your husband, when Isaac was probably six, seven years old, came over and sat down beside me, and he said, he said, Robert, I want to tell you something. You'll never be sorry that you made that boy wear a tie to church. That's what he told me. He did. He told me that. And, of course, you know, he's up here with the tie and the pocket square and everything. I mean, he's just dressed to the, you know. But, he, but anyway, we had to press on. That, that was a goal. That was a dream. This is still a dream of ours. So, Isaac, you got to finish, buddy. Okay, it's a dream. We don't want to. There's a lot of time put into this. It, you know, listen to your mom, okay? But... <laughs> Dreams without goals are just dreams. And so you've got to put whatever it is in your life, whatever, whatever it is that you're, you're maybe, it's, maybe you want to say, hey, I want to you know, be a, lead X amount of people to the Lord this year. I want to be a soul winner. That's my dream. Well, you've got to press on. God's not just going to send them over to your house so you can talk to them. God's not just going to drop that there. You've got to, to take the Bible and see what it says about that. We had to take the Bible to see what it said about raising kids to try to get Isaac to the point we wanted him to be. And so we've got to press on. So number one, why settle for a life that is less than the one you're capable of living? Number two, be thankful in everything, big or small. Number three, dreams without goals are just dreams. And they ultimately fuel without dreams without goals are just dreams, and they ultimately fuel disappointment. Number four, who can accomplish these dreams? Now, this is a good question. Who can accomplish these? Can I accomplish them? Can God accomplish them? What's the answer to the question? Well, I'm going to look at two different things, two different ways here. First, let's talk about God and what He can do. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We can't do it on our own, y'all. We, our dreams, whatever we aspire to be, it's going to take God. These people that think, I don't need God in my life, God's not real, I can just do, I can get where I want in my career. I can get where I want in my relationship. I can get where I want in this or that. And they don't want anything to do with God. They're not going to make it. It's going to ultimately, and, and we see it all the time. We see it all the time. Tara was telling me the other day, just today or yesterday about a famous actor that had just died. You would have thought he had it all. But there was drugs. There was alcohol. And, his, and, and, and he, he didn't have God. And without God, y'all, 
It doesn't matter what you dream. It doesn't matter what you aspire to be. If you leave God out of the whole picture, you're not going to make it. You may think you are, and it may even at some times look like you're where you want to be. But ultimately, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Because every good thing comes from God. And so that attitude of, well, I'm going to do this myself, it's not going to work. You're going to have to turn that, that dream over to God and get God involved in it and, and, and make sure that it lines up with the Scripture and make sure that, that what you're doing, God will be pleased with. You've got to get Him involved. All right? Then there's the other group that says, well, I'll just sit around and wait for God to do it. You know, I've got this big dream, this big thing I want to accomplish, and it'll happen when God lets it happen. And, they, and, they don't, and, that's, and that's the approach. And like I've already said God's involved, so don't y'all start saying that I'm saying something different here. But God's not going to just drop them in your lap. You know, God expects you to be involved in your ministry, in your life, in your family, in your work, and whatever it is. Um, God's not just some up there taking orders and just dropping down what we asked for. Um, there was this, I heard this story one time about this lady, it, it, it's more of a, of a joke, it's not real, but she was talking about her, um, she prayed for her husband, and she prayed that he would get out of the bar, and every Wednesday night at church on their prayer list, and she would mention it out loud every night, that, that God would turn her husband's heart away from that bar, and did that for years, and years, and years, and years, for about 20 years. And one Wednesday she came to church and she said, we can take that off the prayer list. And the pastor said, oh, God turned his heart, turned him away from the bar? She said, no, I went and burned the bar down last night. She put some feet on those prayers. Sometimes we can pray all we want, but sometimes God's just waiting on us to put it into action. We got this big dream, we got this big goal, this big thing we want in life. Well, God's saying, go get it. I'm, I'm waiting on you. I hate to, I hate to reference this scripture, but I'm going to. In uh, Malachi, um, chapter number 10, bring, all ye tith- all, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The second part of that verse is all God. He's pouring it out on you. Whatever that blessing is, whether it's something that, that you've been praying about for a family member, it might be a health thing, it might be a financial thing, whatever that thing is, it might be something that you, just whatever it is, that second half of that verse, God is opening the window and He's pouring it out on you. And he's pouring it so heavy and so fast, it's like a kid, you can't catch it all. You can't receive it. But what happened at the beginning of the verse? You had to get up and do something. Something was required for God to open up the window and pour it out. I heard this a a, a couple years ago, and I've always liked this saying. I say it in Sunday school a lot. But you need to pray like everything depends on God. But you need to work 
Like everything depends on you. And those two together, when they meet, it's a sweet thing. Because God has the power to do what He needs to do. And if we'll just get up and go, then, he'll, then, 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 then that dream you have will come true. Number five, have dreams, but have goals. Proverbs chapter number 16, um, verse 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Um, in, in Habakkuk 2, 2, it says, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables. You got to have those goals to go with those dreams. Like I, or like I said before, if not, it's just a dream. You've got to lay out your plan to get to whatever, whatever that goal is. You know, one of my dreams in life is to be able to, when I pass on, to leave something to my kids. And so I had to turn to the Bible and see what it says. And if you look over in Proverbs, it says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. If I want my family to continue at church... I've got to put the work in now and leave a good inheritance to them. It's not just money, y'all. It's not just talking about money there. If I want my kids to do right, if I want my grandkids to do right, I've got to pour into their lives now. I've got to take the goals and the steps now to get them where they want to be. If I want Isaac to have kids and his kids to be singing in church and singing in the choir and working in gym, then I've got to put into it now. It could be a dream of mine, but I've got to put the work in. I've got to have the goals set to get to where I want to be. Habakkuk makes it clear. Write out the vision and make it plain. All right? Let me go through these again, then I'm on my last one. How do you make your dream become a reality? First, why settle for a life that's less than the one you're capable of living? Two, be thankful in everything, big or small. Three, Dreams without goals are just dreams, and they ultimately fuel disappointment. Four, who can help you accomplish these dreams? You and God. Number five, have dreams but have goals. And then last, to achieve your dreams, you have to apply discipline, and you have to apply consistency. Let's look at discipline. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. That's what discipline is. Now, us that are parents that have kids Haven's age or younger, or maybe even Isaac's age, we are always trying to tell our kids to say, Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. Can I get the door for you? You see a lady walking out to the car with her hands full. I'm always like, Isaac, run back there and help her get that out there. Do this, do that. It's, you've, got to, it's, you've got to apply discipline. It, 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 it's, very, it's easy to just sit back and do nothing. It's easy just to sit back and just let life go on by. And just sit back and do nothing. And just, but, well, but that doesn't do you any good. You got to have discipline. You got to have the discipline. I, I, I tell my kids this, you know, um, sometimes I get tired getting up and going to work every single day. 
Sometimes it's hard. And then I was, I'm off on Thursdays and we're closed on Sundays. So I was off Thursday and I had something that I had, I don't even remember what it was, but I had something I had to go do. On my day off, I'm like, this is supposed to be my day. It seems like every Thursday morning, something happens that I got to go do something. Oh, there was someone coming to my house to do something, so I had to get up and get ready. And I always got something, and I always tell them, I said, you know why Dad does that, though? One, because I love y'all, but that's discipline. There's many, I look around this room, there's many of y'all that go at it every single day. And it's discipline. And you got to do things decently and in order. Like we used to tell Isaac when he would get dressed, you got to do it in the right order, son, or you're going to walk out and look like a doofus. <laughs> sometimes we use words like that with our kids sometimes. You're embarrassing the family. You say, well, that's hard on them. Exactly. That's why we said it. We didn't say it because we were trying to be nice. I mean... It, it, it just takes discipline. Discipline. And dec- you got to do it decently in order. God has established a way that things are supposed to be done, and that's the way we're supposed to do them. Kids, guess what? Your parents are in charge at the house. I'm just going to back them up. Because pro- you've probably heard them tell you this already, and then you just do the eye roll thing and turn around, whatever. You know, you're just old school, Mom. Well, let me tell you something about your parents, because I know them all. Are you ready, Isaac? They might be old school, but they're not old fool. We pulled that one from something I don't going to say, but we say that one all the time. But your parents are in charge. That's the way God set it up. So it's decent and in order to obey your parents. Your mom and dad don't have 30 minutes to explain why you've got to take the dog out so we can get to church. We know the timeline. We know how long it takes to get somewhere. We don't have to sit there and say, well, and, and, and this is decent in order. Just do what they asked. Well, that's easy, right? I heard a couple of parents say amen on that. Hey, parents. Hey, Robert. We got to do what God tells us to do. And we got to do it decent and in order. Maybe that's why my kids and your kids don't listen. They say, we don't listen to our father, so why are they going to listen to theirs? You ever thought of it that way? Decent and in order. And number two, and finally, the consistency. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you're doing it for the Lord, it's not in vain. And that can apply to more than just what you do at church. You know, you can do things for the Lord outside of church. It's not just when you, if you're a Sunday school teacher, you're doing that for the Lord, but you're working for the Lord. You're going to your job and you're being a good uh, a witness for the Lord. You're, you're going to the store and you're not slamming your buggy into someone else because you're trying to be a good witness for the Lord. You have to turn around because some lady just treats you bad at the store. And you got to be consistently, what do you got to do? You got to be unmovable, abounding into the work of the Lord for your labor's not in vain. Yeah, but it would just, it, just one time if I could just not be consistent, I could just get out of line with this person, God. I think, it would make, I, think I could do a lot, something change here. 
We went to the store, the gas station the other day, and I sent Isaac in with money to pay. And um, the, the automatic money thing wasn't working properly or whatever. And Isaac says, ma'am, could, I, could you just do it down here at the register? No, you're going to do it over here. Well, I can't get that to work. I don't understand it or something's not working right or it's messed up. You're, that's where you're going to do it if you're going to get gas. So Isaac's like, okay. So he comes on out to the car and he says, Dad, uh, we're going to go get gas somewhere else. <laughs> I said, what, what happened? He said, he told me the whole story. And for a short moment, I said, no, nah, we're going to get gas here. I'm just going to have to not be uh, consistent in my Christian walk for a few minutes and go in here and tell this lady that we're getting this gas. And we're going to tell this lady that we're the customer and that we're always right. And, you know, that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to do. And we walked in there. And I walked in there with that attitude. But I had to put, God put the brakes on me. I think I could have done good if I would have just went. But God put the brakes on and I'm just trusting that my work in the Lord right there was not in vain. I, 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 I told that lady, if we could ever be assistance to you, just come see us at Fellowship Baptist Church. Give us a call if we can help you. I told a guy that the other day. Why has she ever called? Not that I know of. Has she been here? Not that I've seen. But all I know is God said that my labor would not be in vain in the Lord. Amen. And so I'm just trusting because God sees the whole picture. God sees... Every single thing that's happening. For all I know, God sent someone there the next day to talk to her. And the next day and the next day. And she probably got saved at work. And I'll just never know this side of heaven. Because when I got saved, it wasn't just someone come and said, Hey, you need to know the Lord. Okay, that's a good idea. Let's do that. No. They told me the gospel. And I just did what, okay, thank you. All right, I know. I, thank you. I know what church is. And then someone else came and gave me the gospel. I said, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And then someone else and someone else. And over a period of, of, of a few months, I keep hearing this same message from people all over the southwest Virginia that don't know each other, so they're not conspiring. But God used them and their consistency, and I got saved. And so we don't always get to see the big apples on the tree sometimes. We're not always the one that gets to go out there and, and, and see, see how the fruit turned out. Sometimes someone else is that, does that. But God says that your labor's not in vain. And so to achieve your dreams and goals, you must apply discipline and you must apply consistency. So have you dreamed lately? And if you have, have you dreamed big? Let's pray.